1: Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation, and importantly, appreciation. The show is broadcast from 3CR Studios in Melbourne on 855 AM. And thank you for tuning in and listening. And thanks to Sally from Out of the Pan with that very interesting conversation uh, over the last hour about how identities that are displayed on social media um, don't often report to reality. And they, they're they not things that we should always look, look up to and, and expect that we can meet. Everyone is different. Everyone has different experiences. So live the best life that you can live under your circumstances. Some really great um points to take from that conversation. And thanks to Sally for um, giving a shout out to the animals and consideration of um, thinking about animals when you're thinking about holistic lifestyle and the diets that you consume, animals being a large part of that for many people. So if you can remove animals from your diets, that would be fantastic for you, the environment and animals. And we're still in uh, the summer radio programming for um, 3CR here. So a lot of shows are on repeats, and they're showing things from great shows from the last year. Um, we're we're coming into the studio again, and we're doing a little bit of um, uh, informal conversations. And today we've got a great guest um, in the form of Christian Freitag, who is a local Melbournean vegan and traveller. He travels a lot, and Today, joining Christian in this conversation is me, Adam Cardellini. I don't travel much, but Nick, Nick Pendergrast is also here, another co-host of Freedom Species, and he travels quite a lot as well. And we're going to be speaking about how to negotiate veganism while you're traveling and what that means. So I'll be asking a lot of questions and pushing it back to these two. Um, but first off, do you want to just give us a bit of a, a Christian if you'd like yep. to start, what? why do you travel, where do you travel, what's what's it like traveling what, and what <laughs> motivates you?
2: Wherever I can, basically. Um, what motivates me is always being able to experience different things and see different things, um, which you can't always do if you just um, parked on the couch at home. Um, mm. And Pretty much any, anywhere, but primarily um, I've always gone around Europe, um, anywhere where it's nice and cold, basically the opposite of Australia. Yep. Um, <laughs> What so, are some countries
1: that you've traveled to
2: um, Germany uh, Sweden Norway Iceland uh, Singapore uh, Philippines just recently um, England uh, Bulgaria Serbia Russia
1: yep a lot a of few, the a few places European and, <laughs> yep, yep. and European countries yeah yeah great mm. and I'd love to talk to you Talk to you about Philippines. Um, We've had some conversations about that experience and your veganism in Philippines quite recently. Nick, what about yourself? Where have you traveled and and Uh, why do you travel?
0: Many different places. But yeah, I guess um, I've been with my partner, Katie, who's also vegan about 10 years. And we're not definitely not like people who travel for work or anything like that. So we're not travelers like traveling all the time. But pretty much over that 10 years, at least generally about average of once a year, we've made some sort of overseas trip. And yeah, it's been around many different places in, in Europe, been to England, been to Spain, been to, um, yeah, Germany, been to France, been to Switzerland, like many different places around, been to the US, been to uh, a bunch of countries in Asia, and uh, yeah, a bunch of others are probably forgetting as well, but um, yeah, done quite a bit, and I, I guess, yeah, the reason um, beyond racking up my carbon footprint, which is definitely, <laughs> is, is a... We'll, we'll discuss that. Yeah, that, I think that is definitely an issue with uh, travel, I think there are lots of positives for the individual, but yeah, speaking about the environmental benefits of veganism, is definitely worth considering the environmental impact of uh, of plane travel but I guess from a more selfish point of view I guess it's uh, I, I just find it's really nice to break out of your usual routine which doesn't necessarily have to be traveling overseas I could just be going down to like Dalesford or like regional mm. Victoria that kind of thing but it's just nice to you, get out of your routine do something different get away from your computer in my case uh, but I guess I'd say more generally I, I guess just when you are in a new city you kind of see the world in different ways or so when you're just going through the city you live in it's just sort of you're getting to work you're doing your thing you go into to the shops or whatever whereas when you're in a new city even just like just taking a bus ride is just really interesting seeing new places and it just, it just is uh yeah even if i'm not doing anything especially exciting just seeing new places i really love
1: yeah and and while i don't travel a lot i travel maybe once every few years and less so lately because of the things that nick was mentioning about environmental impact i have been to places like the u uh, the us um, i've been to the uk and some of europe and thailand and i'm Going to Vietnam at the end of this year and hoping to go to China next year. Mm. Some places that might um, be very interesting for veganism. China mm. in particular.
0: Yep, I've been there. Oh, good. Yeah, so by by accident, it. but yeah, I'm okay, probably talking cool about that. Yeah, 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 yeah typhoon. But yeah, we'll get onto that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but I suppose um, one of the first things I think we could talk about is what was the easiest place to to be vegan for you. And what were some of the common issues that you came across in other places that weren't so easy, Christian? Yeah,
2: um, easiest by far, Berlin. Oh yeah, Um, I think it's pretty much well known that it's one of the easiest cities in the world to be vegan. There's a vegan supermarket, like it's it's fairly well known there. Like it's a it's a vegan chain, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Vegans, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, like last time I was there, I stayed at a hostel, which is literally about. Oh, 300, 400 metres away. So I could just walk there. There was vegan restaurants everywhere. All the cafes had vegan options. Um, it's pretty much like a, a, the vegan centre of Germany, if not probably even Western Europe, I'd say. So you don't have to um,
1: think a lot before you go to Germany or yeah. Berlin in particular, Yeah. Um being a vegan. You, no. you'll, you'll be able to survive if you, if you land down there and you haven't done much planning.
2: Yep, pretty much, yeah. Um It's pretty straightforward. You, you'll always find something. Um, and then I think even in general probably a lot of Scandinavia is also similar. Iceland excluded. <laughs> um so like uh, Norway, um Sweden are also really good for that as well. Um you can also like they basically will have um any kind of um like ingredients are pretty much always listed at a cafe so you know exactly what's going to be in any of the um like the the food items that you'll buy at a cafe, which is actually a step ahead of what you've got here in Melbourne. If you go to a cafe you're not 100% sure always what's going to be in something. I think in um, in Norway, they had it so that when you buy something, it's listed, um, you'll always be able to see what kind of allergens are having it, which will include like milk, um, well, any, any kind of milk, milk products or any kind of um, does animal products.
1: Does, does that even... So, you're in Norway. They yeah. speak a different language to English, yeah. your foreign... Oh, your, your um, yeah. native tongue. Yeah. Uh, was... What language was that information in? It was in...
2: Um, it'd be a bit mixed. Um, predominantly, in in somewhere like Oslo, like you'd be pretty much fine because it would be um, often done in in English. Um, in a smaller area, than it might be in Norwegian. But you can usually get it. Like everyone's got a smartphone nowadays, you can just look up the individual word, or you'll ask. And probably everyone in Scandinavia speaks perfect English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not not everyone, but or you can just look up the look up the words. And usually, because it'll be an allergen in in those kind of like little, they have often little placards, um, and it will have it listed in just a few little um, letters you can search up that individual word really easily and usually it's pretty obvious you can you'll very very quickly learn what is what, what the word for milk is or etc so yeah yep.
1: um, and what about the hardest places hardest. yeah
2: um, so I just got back in the Philippines <laughs> um,
1: and maybe and we'll talk about this yeah. in, in, a, in particular um, yep. in a bit uh, in what not to do or, or how to plan. Well, yeah. Um, but are there any other places other than the Philippines, which is notoriously known for its, um, its cuisine not being yeah. particularly friendly? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. it's been... Um, Fili- the Philippines has an interesting history and for a long time has been occupied by different states and mm. one of its current occup... Well, I'm not too sure of the, of the history and, and mm. how to speak about this properly, but um, basically the USA... Is has a large stake in the Philippines at the moment and for, has done for a long time. And they've got a very interesting and, and strange sort of mix of cuisines in the Philippines, mm. yeah.
2: And even prior, it was um Spain mm. occupied parts of the Philippines, I believe. So that would also influence because Spain, I think, it has a very I haven't actually been to Spain, you didn't? I have, yeah, 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 yeah. I think like they're very meat. Centered, I think. I mean, right. I
0: went to Barcelona, and there's six vegan restaurants there, and I ate at the six vegan restaurants, <laughs> and that was it. So I had a bit of a, yeah. a warped experience compared yeah. to most people in yeah. Spain. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I have found like any big city is super easy. So mm, yeah. yeah, been to, yeah Berlin. Obviously, it's probably my favorite city in the world so far, partly because of the vegan thing, and it's very like a progressive kind of culture there as well. Um, but yeah, Barcelona was great. Uh, New York was great. Uh, Portland, of course. Um, and yeah, a lot of these cities, like... i was
1: ticking off all the vegan capitals of pretty the Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's definitely heavily influenced. Uh, Toronto is pretty good too. Um, yeah, Canada as well. But yeah, basically any any big city. Um, but yeah, and in those kind of cities, I would pretty much only eat at exclusively vegan places. Like obviously you'd have that luxury everywhere you go. But um, yeah, in those cities, it was like pretty much anything that was even vegetarian, I wouldn't bother going and just go to the 100% vegan places. So it's super easy. Yeah. And, and it's not even so much like easy. It's just like it's a joy to go and check out all these different places
2: yeah Yeah. what I actually found is that it actually makes it easier to travel in in some of those big cities because then you just set up your itinerary that way you go today I want to go to this cafe or this restaurant and that way you can also explore that part of the city while you're there you go okay Mm. now I'm going to go and have my lunch here wander around that particular area Mm-hmm, exactly. And I've had
0: that in Paris, like uh, me and my partner staying with two non-vegans and that, they found an Italian place they liked, which happened to be right next door to the hotel because they're not vegan. They can just eat anywhere. Um, whereas me and Katie were seeing lots of different parts of the city and I have had friends who have gone vegan and I thought it was a really positive way to frame it. Rather than vegan, it's a real bummer. And after this, it's like, it's great to sort of be encouraged, to check out these different places. And often I found the places with the vegan restaurants sort of concentrate, tend to be the sort of cool, progressive, more interesting. Kind of parts of the city anyway, so it's a really great way to sort of almost uh, push yourself to see the different parts.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of even when I go to cities in Australia. So I go new uh, to Sydney or Brisbane. I'll find the location that has the good restaurant, the good vegan restaurant, and that's where I'll find a hotel as well. Yeah, um, yeah. and you go to nice places like Newtown in in mm-hmm. Sydney and other places in Brisbane that are quite trendy. Mm-hmm. and got yeah. things happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I definitely do that. And we, we mentioned Happy Cow last week and um, yeah, on Happy Cow, they've got vegan places, vegetarian, vegan, friendly, etc. And yeah, the, the little green thing is the all-vegan restaurant. So I just look at the map of the city and where I see a bunch of the greens concentrated, look for a hotel right around there. Yeah. and That
2: makes things really easy too. That's actually a, a really good one. Um, I use Happy Cow a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And the other one is um, just going to Google Maps just typing in vegan near me, and it would find any kind of um, keyword of vegan at restaurants or cafes or listed around that area because sometimes that'll pick up ones that aren't listed on Happy Cow. Yeah, So, you do the combination. How yeah. did
1: you find that working in other countries where, you know, the language is in English again and you're typing in English? Did that work? Did yeah. the, did the the word translate or... Um, I think...
2: I actually don't know 100%. I think you're a lot better. But so um, the history of the word vegan, I haven't seen any other language have a different translation for that word yeah
0: i can probably add that because my yeah. partner was in um switzerland in geneva for quite a while and did some activism a local vegan group there and they were actually having in the conversation there because there is a swiss word for vegan <laughs> but i was saying also vegans more recognized internationally so they're having that debate amongst themselves do they use the swiss word or do they use that sort of like you know english word of, of vegan yeah. so yeah there definitely are other words but i think in a lot of countries they just use that word vegan because it's sort of international Recognized, mm.
1: yeah. Hmm. yeah, and I, I only know of in other languages in Chinese, and there's not really a well-established name for veganism that I can find. Um, yeah. There is, there are, there are, there are some sort of that people suggest, like yeah. pure vegetarian, mm-hmm. um, but. I've sort of used that on some people, and they just laugh at me. So I'm not sure right. if it translates yeah. well. It doesn't. Translate I've generally had pretty good particular. experience
0: with Asian using the word pure vegetarian. Yep. That's what they generally yeah. say to use. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, I guess, it depends on the country and the individual. Yeah. yeah.
1: When I said pure vegetarian in Chinese, I got laughed at. Probably. Oh,
0: in Chinese, <laughs> I've I've said it in English, so yeah, it's another barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yep. And then in Japanese, I don't think they've got any kind of um construct for the word vegan.
1: Yeah, have you ever been so. to Japanese last year? Was it?
2: No, no, well, I went there quite a few years ago. I actually went just after I was trying to become vegan at the very start. And I'll admit, like I, this is like right at the very beginning, and I wasn't able to do it. I think it was within the first couple of days, and like so, I tried what I could, mm. but there are some places I actually I couldn't find any. And what food. do you
1: mean by some places? Is this in Tokyo or is this somewhere else? Like,
2: so it was a um, three cities: Tokyo, Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, mm. and. Anyway, there was one There was one actual um, vegetarian slash vegan cafe yep. near one of the hostels I stayed at and that was easy. Mm-hmm. Finding snacks was usually easy, but finding full meals, mm. like <laughs> it was hard enough finding an English menu um, in most cases. It's probably quite different now. Like Each year it's probably becoming more and more, um, I guess, like more and more English menus are probably present mm-hmm. um, in the bigger cities at least, but I just found it really, really tricky to even find out what was in what I was ordering yeah. and I have to hope and I think when when <laughs> yeah. you uh,
0: when you do do that when you don't know the language obviously mm. and you don't always have this luxury but you can eat at exclusively mm. vegan restaurants even if it's maybe a little bit further of travel that's always good because then you might get something you don't especially like but at least you know it's vegan exactly <laughs> at yeah. the very least yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so yeah. what would you do differently now going back over to Japan how would you um, make sure that you were finding yep. vegan food
2: I'd plan more. <laughs> I don't think I had happy cow at that stage. I don't think I even knew about happy cow. Mm. Um, I just didn't probably look up enough. I was also traveling with a friend, which also made it tricky. So they were always like, going around trying to find what they wanted to eat. And I was <laughs> yeah trying to find what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, if I, if I went back, I'd just plan a lot more and probably get a lot more snacks. Mm. like a lot more to cover a, any meal gap I might have exactly I'd really yeah. recommend that I always
0: have like cliff bars but like doesn't have to be mm. that like raw bars whatever muesli bars whatever something like that to uh, like keep you going so it's like oh I've got to travel a bit but I'll just have this bar to keep me going also I have had once I've generally had pretty good experience with vegan food you just book on the on the plane this is I like just mm. book it in advance but once I had about a I can't remember where I was coming from it may have been the US I'm not sure but it was about a 12 hour flight and they messed up our vegan meal who didn't have a vegan meal, and it was like a 12 hour flight. Um, and luckily, they found some like two like instant noodles that have be vegan and some Oreos, and that, that was it for like 12 hours, which was okay. But it would be nice to just have some bars or something as a backup. So, for that kind of reason, it's good to have some as
1: well. And I'll, I'll share an experience similar to that just <laughs> after a break. So, I think after, um, after the break, we'll have a quick song. Um, we're going to play Silver Chair. Uh, what's the song? Spawn Again Spawn uh, from again.
0: the album Neon Ballroom
1: Yep. and um, and then we'll get back into talking about how you might plan for travel and the in it Death comes clear from bloodshot eyes This death from old age comes near Why can't the livestock be free We're trading soldiers for steak Into a bomb With
0: the new transition. To
1: Have you ever wondered about the meaning of the terms identity politics, intersectionality, turf or institutional racism? Same here. This summer Tuesday Breakfast is going back to school to answer these questions and more. Join us as we learn from experts, academics, writers, activists, and people with lived experiences to share their knowledge on decolonization sovereignty and self-determination, race and identity, sexuality and gender, and disability and accessibility. And Knowledge shouldn't be locked away at a university, so let us bring it to you. Tune in to Summer School, Tuesday mornings from 7 a.m. starting the 8th of January, 855 a.m. or via 3cr.org.au. And check out our Instagram, 3 Breakfast for more details. You're listening to Freedom of Species 855 AM and we are speaking with Christian Freitag about um, vegan travel and Nick Pendergrast. And we've just been talking about some good places and some difficulties around um, travelling vegan and now I just wanted to sort of start from the start. What do you need to consider if you're going traveling vegan and where do you start? What's the first thing that you do now that you're going, say to the Philippines, let's talk about <laughs> the Philippines, Christian.
2: So one of the first things I did, case in point is I looked up again, I always go to Google maps and I have a look around where I'm going to be staying. In this case, it was a work trip. So I knew is was already all booked in for me. Um, looked up what was around that hotel, what kind of restaurants there are The answer was not much. <laughs> um, and, yeah, but usually I do that for every single every single trip. I just um, see what nearby cafes there, what's near the sites that I want to see in particular, like what kind of activities or sites I want to see. And then, like I was saying, I'd map out my um, dated activities primarily based around food. Yep. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'd go to like, uh, if I say I want to go to this particular activity, which is near Cafe A, then I'd go to Cafe A in the morning, get my coffee, get my own breakfast or food, and then I'd go to the site, et cetera, and then wander around that area. It pretty much all goes to just looking at the map in the beginning um, and making sure it's easy to get to. It just makes it a lot more convenient rather than a struggle. And yep.
1: you have your phones, obviously. Then, yes. when you're in country, so you're yep. able to actually find vegan places by searching. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. does that how how does that work? If you've got a phone with um, Telstra, yeah, and you don't want to spend, do they still charge you? Um, it's millions of dollars To use your internet overseas. This is going to
0: sound Like an advertisement But I'm with Vodafone <laughs> And it's $5 a day To use your phone Basically as though It's in Australia So $5 a day You can use Like you know All your data Internet data You make calls And texts as normal As though you're in Australia So okay. yeah I, I generally do that So it's $5 a day But that's definitely worth it When you're travelling around Like particularly You might have Wi-Fi At the hotel But then like You go out to one place For breakfast And then like You want to go to the lunch place Like It just saves you Having to look up everything In advance And write stuff down and all that so having yeah having data on your phone makes things a lot easier if you can so get that
1: definitely check with your provider yeah yeah um, not by a phone specifically <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and see what you can do with your phone when you're overseas yeah very yep. important
2: mm-hmm. and most places nowadays will have Wi-Fi hotspots around anyway yeah mm-hmm. good point let's face it half the fun of travelling is not necessarily getting lost <laughs> um, but just wandering around so as long as you have a general idea of where you're going just look it up on your map and don't be afraid to have, go a little bit off plan sometimes. And
0: yeah. you can also yeah. like stand outside of a McDonald's or a Starbucks or something. I do encourage people to spend money at those places, but stand outside and steal their Wi-Fi as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah great.
1: Yeah. Okay, so we've got um, food, food covered. We talked about food mm. quite a bit. Um, you, you find out, th- this is if you're eating out, um, you find places where you can eat um, before you get there. What if you get there, Christian? Say you're going to the Philippines and you get there and things change. And what happened to you recently and how do you deal with it? So,
2: probably the easiest example is we found there was a... Before going to work, found there was one cafe that was open. It turned out that a lot of the cafes open in this... Around the particular area around 10 a.m. So, work you were going to the Philippines for For work, a work trip, yeah. And
1: so, you were at a workplace um, during the day for X number of hours. Yep. And you could only eat at certain times of the day because yeah. you were working working yeah,
2: Exactly, yeah. Um, but the, there was one day... Um, hunting around for a cafe that would actually be open in the morning before having to leave to get to the office. Hunting and gathering. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, There's a lot lot more hunting than there was gathering (laughs) in this particular case. Um, And so I found one cafe that was open nearby, went there, had a look. They had oatmeal, thought like an oatmeal kind of porridge dish. Thought, no, this could be okay. It it was advertising it came with egg, but I thought I can just ask for it without the egg, try and um, veganize it. And it came back with chunks of chicken in it.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting was one word I wasn't, <laughs> I
2: wasn't particularly impressed Because it wasn't even like on the on the description Yeah, um, They did have like a fruit salad Like a fruit um, fruit platter And so I just had to adapt By just getting lots and lots of little like fruit snacks Throughout the day So I was basically down to dinner um, Each day that I was there Because um, the only thing near the office Was a Starbucks <laughs> Talking of Starbucks <laughs> yeah, again yep. um, And the very least they did have like soy milk and They did have fruit cups and cool. they did also have like little cups of oatmeal, hmm. so I was basically down to snacking on those for the entire day until dinner, right. and then dinner, well, I was also able to find like a little um, kind of like a um, upmarket Subway, nice. um, called Salad Stop, where they actually had actually advertised vegan dishes. Cool. Um, and the but, the, yeah. the
1: other issue that you faced while in the Philippines is that you were hoping to cook while you were at the um, at your. Yeah. Uh, hotel which is a really good one if you're ever in a country and you're not sure about the food you've you've, there's language barriers um, you can always pop down to the supermarket there'll be some ingredients that you know are vegan Mm. come back to the hotel and cook at the hotel you'll need a room with um, some basic cooking kitchen um, utensils and and facilities but if you can do that that can make traveling very easily what happened to you in the philippines
2: so yeah, like the second week I actually got a different room thankfully and that had a kitchenette mm-hmm. and that made dinner a lot easier mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than always having to go and get this one, the one vegan dish this style stop place had, <laughs> uh, a little bit more variety and so that made it a lot easier. Um,
1: but your first week there, you you the expected to have a kitchenette pretty, but yeah. you got a room that didn't have a kitchenette yeah, so and you so weren't f- actually able to cook.
2: Correct, mm-hmm. yeah, so the first week was just a lot of snacking. Mm and a lot of feeling very weak. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar thing when I
0: was, I think I was coming back from maybe Geneva or Paris and the stopover was China. And so I wasn't planning to go to China. And, and if I did, I would have been prepared. And, and in um, Beijing and stuff, there are a lot of vegan restaurants and that kind of thing. But we were out near, I can't remember the name of the airport, but it was more kind of regional uh, because there was a typhoon, so we couldn't fly. Um, but yeah, we couldn't, uh, yeah, we, we couldn't leave. So we we're kind of stuck there for a few days, had not planned. Well, we would have sort of learned and basic words and all that kind of stuff. We had no no planning because we couldn't have, so we were stuck out in this regional area like in China. And the sort of the airline just gave us some pretty basic food. I wasn't even sure whether it was vegan or not. I think I freaked out because it was it was some there was something really slimy and I thought it was eel. I don't know where I got that idea in my, my head, but then I've eaten a vegan place and it's just a Chinese vegetable that's very uh, sort of uh, squishy. Yeah. So probably it probably was vegan, but like, I just wasn't sure about the food and it was just very bad food and stuff. And so I ventured out into like the local supermarket because there was no restaurants around. It was like very sort of uh, regional, sort of rural kind of area. Uh, just, yeah, sort of out in a random place somewhere nearest to the, that particular airport. Um, and yeah, all the ingredients were not in English. And so I basically, I could find some basic, I found some like oat milk and some nuts and that kind of stuff. But this was for dinner. And then I saw something we look like, it could be soy or it could be meat. And so I was, I was trying to ask people with like, just in English, English, like, is like, what is in this? And everyone, I made quite a scene because everyone was very amused. Everyone was like, Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, but what is it? And they're very amused by that concept of like, I'm actually concerned what's in it, not whether it was good or not. And again, that definitely isn't the case in China. There's a growing vegan movement, particularly probably in the bigger cities like uh, Beijing. But uh, yeah, I created quite a scene and I just didn't get an answer. So yeah, I ended up with just like oat milk and uh, yeah, some uh, plain chips and nuts or something like that for dinner. And so that wasn't too much fun. But I guess it also goes back. To, we were talking last week about practical advice for going vegan like generally it's been super easy and super fun but also in those times you kind of like go back to the reasons why you're vegan like yeah this isn't too much fun it's it's a it's a rare thing uh, i got to see uh, the great wall and i got to see tiananmen square definitely wasn't a trip for the food that one at all um but yeah you know, I, I survived i was fine so yeah it's sort of a matter of going back to those reasons why you're vegan and trying to yeah get through as best you can
1: yeah and that's mm. that's a really good point because most of the time being mm. vegan is is it can be very, very um, simple mm-hmm. to do. Um, but if you do choose to travel, and that's a choice that you have and that's a choice that you make, there might be points where it becomes a little bit more difficult and um, you just sort of wear it. You just sort of um, roll with it and have some resilience and know that this could happen. Um, yeah, I, I was on a plane trip from America. America was great for vegan food. We're on the West Coast, California, and you know everywhere we went, Go vegan, get stuff. Um, But on the trip back, we had put in for a vegan meal... Um, it was a 21-hour flight or, a, or somewhere about there, about 20 hours flight. They didn't get our vegan meals and all they could find us was one apple to share wow. from, from someone in first class who didn't eat their apple. And so, <laughs> wow. we, we had some snacks on the flight home, but we were pretty hungry by the time we oh, got yeah. home. So, yeah. always take some snacks on a flight. Yep. Um, you never know what will happen. Exactly. And, yeah. So, yep. I'm
0: about to head to Bali in a few days or about a week and I've already bought like six Cliff bars. I've got them there like if i'm ever like hungry at the hotel or like yeah if they mess up the meals on the flight i've got something to fall back on so it's always good to be prepared in that way
2: that was actually one thing i found so near that salad stop place in the philippines there was a health food shop that stocked like every variety of cliff bar i've ever seen Mm -hmm. and so i just load up my backpack with cliff bars for snacks (laughs) during the day yeah i think i've eaten I hate to think how many Cliff Bars I've eaten in my lifetime now. Yeah, yeah,
0: and they're, they're quite filling, which is good. And I do want to also state that this is an ad for Cliff Bars as yeah. well. Like, <laughs> I guess, like we said last week, we will sort of incidentally mention some products or whatever, but it's not. Uh, it's just based on our own experiences, preferences. No paid advertisements. I did also want to mention that the internet makes things so much easier for traveling than it was in the past. I know in the past mm. people would often like visit the local vegan society and get some printed list they'd have to find, whereas now it, it is so much easier. Obviously, depending on where you're going, it's sort of easy or hard or whatever but just overall it is so much easier with the internet like as you say there's happy cow and google search google maps there's so much information out there even i was looking at for something else um about yeah Bali and just found out there's a you know there's a whole website all about vegan traveling in ubud specifically not mm. even Bali generally which i'm going to have a look at
2: as well so there's so much information out there online which really helps out yeah and to add on to that as well even just um youtube you'll have a lot of because um, so there's, there's a huge vegan movement on, on YouTube like mm-hmm. a lot of um, vegan vloggers and stuff like that and they'll often obviously be traveling just part of their job and so they'll also be talking about the restaurants and cafes they go to so it's, it helps because it gives you a bit of a preview and mm-hmm. inside look it can help sort of build up some of the hype before you go to those places which is mm-hmm. just a nice feeling so yeah
1: I suppose we've covered a lot on um, how to eat, which is a large part of yeah. of living, and you need to do it when you're travelling for sure um, but there's other things mm. uh, about veganism when you 're travelling and particularly if you're um, you're a tourist and you want to see certain things at a in a new country um, how to avoid the exploitation of animals in other ways, not just mm. in through your diet um, like we said last week, veganism is not just about eating. Um, without eating animals or just eating plants. It's about excluding the exploitation of animals from your life. Uh, and one of those things from a tourist perspective is going and visiting places that might call themselves sanctuaries that might be um, using animals to run a business. Um, I can think of in Southeast Asia going for elephant rides or seeing elephants in certain shows, seeing people with monkeys on chains down the street, um, going and petting tigers, getting, if you're in other countries, getting camels or donkeys to um, carry your goods if you're going on a large trek, getting, going for horse rides, um, fish pedicures is something that what? happens in... So it's this <laughs> thing in Southeast Asian countries where you put your feet in a... Bath oh. where there's lots of tiny fish. I think men giving the fish a pedicure. <laughs> <laughs> if they are really so tricky. It, yeah. <laughs> um, not great for the fish. No. They're in a weird environment and whatnot. Um, you know, don't take photos with turtles or go for swims with dolphins, horse drawn carriages. There's a whole other mm. side of, mm. of going and being a tourist where you can um, incidentally be exploiting animals. Do mm. you want to share any? experiences or any tips for how not to do that?
0: Yeah, I guess I can jump unless you've got something, Christian. No. no, Not top my head. Okay. um, yeah. So I've had one where I've I've only ever done this once, but did a like contiki tour where it's kind of all organized for you. And part of that was this show, which wasn't purely animal exploitation, but there was, I can't remember exactly. It was some kind of uh, performance or something, but just part of it had animals involved in it. So we obviously didn't want to go to that. So it was just a matter of like, it it was optional. I think you had to like pay extra, but it was kind of part of the tour. So it's just a matter of avoiding that and doing something else. Sometimes it is very hard to avoid. Like we have been to just sort of visiting temples in Thailand or whatever and you happened as you're sort of doing one of the walks you happen to see like you know an animal tied up or something like that and it's like we had no idea that Mm. that that was there so sometimes you just you're going to happen to see things but yeah whenever we know in advance it's just a matter of opting out and doing something else and there's always yeah so many other things to see and do uh, that obviously don't involve animal exploitation and and sometimes it's not even a matter of like there's also sort of formal things you can do but i know barcelona are in there for about three days and we literally just walked around the city and this is just so interesting to do that and see that and see other different places as well well so yeah
2: if you yeah if you know in advance then just a matter of avoiding those things but mm. yeah I think the, ob- the obvious one also to avoid is zoos yeah mm. <laughs> because um, a lot of the time when people go to a new place that'll be like one of the attractions mm. that they'll consider obviously if you're a vegan traveler you won't be doing that in the first place <laughs> um, yeah. but that's probably the big one that stands out I think it's the, the incidental ones or the ones that you're not aware of which is always gonna be the trickiest mm. um, the trickiest bits um,
1: and if, yeah. if you as as potentially you're listening and you are a vegan and you animals are a really strong reason for why you are a vegan you love animals you love um, meeting them and um, helping them and things like that there are places where they do a good job for animals in other countries mm. um, there's lots of bogus places that are called sanctuaries and then there mm. are actual places that are good sanctuaries so yeah. um, some ways to figure out whether some some a place is good and is worth visiting, is if, if a place suggests that you can ride, touch or take photos next to or with an animal, then don't go to that place. That's a place that is not um, helping animals or working for animals. That's a place that's exploiting animals. Um, if a place says that there are animals here that um, are being rehabilitated and you don't necessarily get to go see them, um, they might be somewhere around that you might You might find them, you might glimpse them. That's probably okay. Mm. If they're not explicitly using those animals to raise revenue, then it can be a good place. I just strongly suggest you do your um, research and don't go anywhere that allows you to interact directly with those animals because wild animals, which is the large part um, what these places will be saying you're going to get the experience of being with a wild animal, should be in the wild. And any other animals that aren't in the wild should be going through a rehabilitation program or um, sort of some sort of um, they're part of the sanctuary to help them live a safe life where they are. I remember going to Thailand, went to a gibbon rescue place and you could walk through this bush track um, because they were rehabilitating gibbons in the area and releasing them out into that forest. And you might see gibbons in that forest. We definitely didn't. And you're <laughs> unlikely to because they're smarter than, than going up to people on a bush track and they've all had bad experiences. They're all rescued from um, trapping or um, deforestation situations. So they often t- try to stay away from people. But they, they had a rehabilitation program where they cl- they'd save gibbons from um, being used on the street by performance Artists who had givens tied up or they were rescued from situations where their environment had been taken or their mother had been slaughtered and they would rehabilitate them till their till they own age that they could be released into a troop that was in this forest mm. and that was a good, a good sanctuary. We, you weren't even allowed to go up to the cages um, or the enclosures that the gibbons were kept in during their rehabilitation because they were sensitive. Mm. Um, and they, it would have disturbed mm. them to have people visiting them all the time. So mm. look for those signs. Mm. Anywhere that says you can get up close mm. is not great. They're mm. not doing what is needed for the animals because most animals don't like being close to humans. Mm. Although there was another place in Thailand we went to, this little, um, I can't remember the name of it, but there were... Um, monkeys sitting at the table where you were eating and just doing whatever they wanted they 'd really integrated into the mm. space there they were wild and mm. they were protected in this place, um, but they could actually get quite aggressive so you didn 't mm. always want to be close to them yeah. and they had these rangers that would walk around and try to shoo them away from people when they would harass them and steal things and stuff mm. like yeah. that but yeah. they were very um, they tried to do the best they could with the monkeys living in that that sort of human animal interaction and um, keeping that relationship safe. Mm,
0: And I'm about, as I mentioned, heading to Ubud and there is a monkey sort of sanctuary there. I think they're the same. Apparently they steal your glasses and steal your food and all that kind of Mm. stuff. But yeah, I guess I'd also add to that, as you say, there's certain things that they're they're sort of the company or the the, the franchise, whatever you call it, itself. There can be a giveaway, like are you riding them, etc. So that's obviously things to look out for. But also, you know, it's easy for them to call themselves a sanctuary, uh, but Mm. also Mm. maybe look at, like a third-party website, like is there an animal group maybe saying they're a good thing as well? Like, yeah, or sites beyond just themselves because they can make it sound great. And are they necessarily in reality? And I'd also mention Veg Voyages as well. So that's like a vegan tour company, and yeah, I yeah, they're vegetarian, but I believe they've recently gone vegan, totally vegan in the last they few are years. vegan yep. adventure tours. Yep. Yep. And uh,
1: through throughout Asia, mostly.
0: Cool, yep. and they do things like visiting turtle sanctuaries and those kind of things. So like, I guess you sort of almost get that certification that yeah, they're a vegan thing. So I haven't looked into a lot myself, but hopefully being a vegan thing, they're more sort of sensitive about which sort of uh, animal sort of facilities they visit.
1: Yeah, and uh, just on on that, there's a couple of other places that do tours for you, vegan tours. There's Humane Travel that has a a suite of vegan tours across the world. Mm -hmm. Um, As Nick mentioned, Veg Voyages. Um, There's Veg Jaunts and Journeys. And I can't quite remember where they, I think they do America and South America um, and some Asian Tours, And then there's actually Intrepid Travels, which is a really big company, Intrepid Tours. Um, They're one of these massive companies that do tours, large tours and things. They've just added three vegan tours in three different um, locations around the world, Thailand, Italy, and one other. I can't quite remember. Mm. But this is becoming a much more popular option, is actually getting um, tour groups and um, dedicated people building vegan tours for people. There's even vegan um, cruises nowadays or cruise Mm. ships that cater to veganism. But Mm. certainly I know of a few specifically and 100% vegan cruises where everyone on there is either vegan or they're eating vegan and doing vegan things
2: mm. yeah.
0: yeah and i think those tours like as christian mentioned like going to berlin like i didn't feel i needed a tour by any means no. like you just go to find the places yourself though people might enjoy doing the tours but particularly like if i was going to china again or something like that where there's a language barrier it would actually be quite nice to have the vegan tour and um so yeah i think definitely places where it can be either more difficult
2: to be vegan or there is the language barrier, i think those tours become particularly important mm. yeah definitely i can see it being a lot more useful in a place where there's like I said more of a language barrier like Mm. say Southeast Asia for myself Mm -hmm. whereas Europe a lot of people already know English or I can get by Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. (laughs) they don't really need the tour yeah, I think I was in uh, Zurich, which is it is
0: Switzerland. So they speak yep. German. That's, yep. Yeah, and so I was like, um, "Sprakens the English?" Which is like, <laughs> "Do you speak English?" And the, this was at a Starbucks, something. Like that, and the guy sort of smiled at me and it was like, "Nine." And then he's <laughs> like, "Just kidding, mate. Of course I speak English." But yeah, I'd just come from Paris, where they're very much like you know they want you to try and speak French. Whereas yep. yeah, there, they don't seem to care that much in Switzerland. They happily speak uh, no. English. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Great. And we'll just go to a little bit of a break and we'll go to a song by Gojira uh, called Silvera.
2: appreciate like you mob and all the people coming and visit us and doing stuff like this, you know, it's very good. It keeps a positive mindset in our mind, you know, and we really appreciate it. Because of her we can, yeah, I
0: wanna be a better, better man, yeah. Because of we can. Beyond the Bars is
2: 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. You can listen to audio from this year and previous years online anytime.
0: How do you rehabilitate someone? They just put you in a cell and tell you this is how long you're going to do and it's meant to rehabilitate you, you know? Rehabilitation
2: starts when you get out. That's when your life begins again, doesn't it? In here, your life's on hold. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Or if you'd like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 8377. When I first come to this day, was about 10 years ago, and, and I was a young one. I hope the young ones come off the truck the other day, and... They call me Annie Marlene, so it helped me recognise and realise it might like, pull myself up like, yeah. They're starting to look up to me, so I've got to represent and do the right thing now. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. You're
1: listening to 3CR Community Radio
0: 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most
1: recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. And welcome back to Freedom Species on 855 AM 3CR. Thanks for tuning in. And we just finished listening to Silvera by Gojira. A very positive message uh, behind some very heavy beats. Love it. Check out Gojira; they're a great band, um, and they are very environmentally aware. And I think they might have a vegan or two in the band. I believe. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've done a few songs on about whales and environmentalism, and whatnot. lots about whales. Yes, they love <laughs> yeah. whales. Um, Just to wrap up the show, we thought we would talk about... We talked about how you might go about travelling vegan and what things to consider, to think about. You know, plan. Be be prepared in case your plans go awry and things get a little bit difficult. Take plenty of snacks. And make sure when you're um, going somewhere, you look at the other impacts that might be occurring to animals. Say you go to an entertainment, a piece of entertainment or a sanctuary try and find out whether that place is actually helping animals or exploiting them before you go there. Um, The last thing I wanted to talk about is alternatives to travel Mm. because there are some issues with travelling a lot. Um, uh, Nick, do you want to mention some of these?
0: yeah i guess yeah i mean probably the biggest one is just the environmental footprint which i mentioned earlier and definitely uh since i've been to melbourne the last few years i haven't traveled too much partly because i just i love being in melbourne so much and i whereas perth i kind of want to get out of all the time but um yeah i I guess um there are definitely environmental issues and yeah i I guess the advice would be i mean i don't know if there is like an ethical amount to travel but obviously the less you do the lower your carbon footprint even people who live quite environmentally friendly in their life everyday life um, you'll see if you add some flights in there, it really bumps up your individual uh, footprints. So that's definitely something to consider. Um, And I I guess if you can go somewhere, like generally I think the golden rule with travel, if you can avoid a flight, like almost anything is better. I think cruises- It's a little bit more complicated than that, but I'll talk about that in a second. Okay, okay. Um, But yeah, definitely like, for example, I mentioned like in terms of sort of getting away, getting out of usual routine, you you can possibly go like just an hour away. And like, you know, even with your companion animals, you can take companion animals- in a house um, through stays.com or whatever rather than um, taking a flight overseas and then you can still get out of your routine and do leisurely things and all that kind of thing so that is one option also you know you don't necessarily have to even travel at all um, to take time out you can go i need a week off and don't go on the computer for a week you can do things like play tennis go to the beach all these things put a holiday like in melbourne for example um beaches aren't the greatest here but they're okay um but yeah like there's lots of things you can do and I often think like, why did we travel all this way to play tennis? I've got a tennis court down the road. So, yeah, definitely can just do those same things within your local community um, and that will have a far, far less environmental footprint. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, I, I always um try and, <laughs> try and save up all my money to go and travel. Yeah. So, I always find it tricky to actually... um Like, I haven't actually looked around my local area so much to actually do the mm. things that I do when I'm traveling because <laughs> um, mm. part of what I do when I travel is I like to get sort of immersed in different languages Mm. and different museums and all those kind of things which are actually harder to find around here. But even then, like you said, there are still ways to do that. If you really, like if language is your main thing, then go and find a meetup group which talks in that language. Mm. Or if you're that interested in a particular kind of um, like a historical element, then just get a whole ton of books. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Find a really good cafe and read up on it. You don't always have to actually go to the place. You could maybe do that. You know, once, twice, proxy, but yeah. yeah, yeah, by proxy. Um, but and you don't have to go there every, yeah, every few months.
1: <laughs> and what if what if you, um, instead of travelling overseas and visiting a new city and um, and experiencing it that way, I always found cities pretty boring because I feel like every city's the effing same. Um, <laughs> as um, yep, and um, as the good song goes. But what if you actually planned to do the things that you would do in a foreign city in your hometown? In mm. your home city, go to the, all the different places. Like, for instance, in Melbourne, I haven't done hardly anything and I've mm. lived here or hereabouts for my whole life. And I probably know other other cities in the world a lot more than I know Melbourne mm, in terms of the sure. attractions and the things that are interesting about the city. Mm. Uh, I think that's a common um, a common thing that mo- lots of people do. We don't really do a lot of touristy stuff in our own hometown.
0: Mm, and I've done one thing I've done like and often do this when I first get to a city. I you know in Portland I did a couple of good ones like you do the free walking tours or it's like pay mm. by donation, and that's really great. But I've heard the Melbourne ones are quite good. Like yeah. you could do that in Melbourne and even things like here in melbourne the acme they've got like a free uh, museum and stuff like it's like a media sort of museum yeah. and that's really cool and like we, we have done that luckily but it's kind of thing i generally wouldn't do in the city i live in but it'd be it'd be good if you found it in other cities so yeah,
1: yeah, yeah that's yeah. right and yeah. we we went on a, a a tour of the old geelong jail the other day mm. <laughs> it was like touted as a ghost tour mm-hmm. um you know that's all bunkum but um <laughs> it was it was a really good historical tour. Mm. This this jail, which was horrendous and really had no facilities, was open until 20 years ago and it mm. was horrible. It mm. was just amazing to know that it had the history behind the place and that was just down the road. Mm. Really interesting. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, just like Nick said, there are some types of travel that are quite um, carbon intensive and environmentally impactful. Um, Flying and it's not as simple as just saying flying is worse than driving and these sorts of things because it depends on the car you're driving, mm. um, where you're flying. Long distance flights are better than short, shorter flights because you know cruising, um, cruising in a plane is better than landing and and taking off and whatnot um, and idling on on the runway. But the general rule is that if you can get somewhere in a car with other people, mm. if it's just yourself. And you're a small car, yeah, it's going to be better than flying. But if it's yourself and others in a small car, which is best, it will hands down beat flying any day of the week. Mm. So try to do that. And instead of flying overseas, like Nick said, maybe do some things around town or maybe think about why it is you're traveling, what it is you're trying to get out of it. And if it's about seeing other cultures and communities, how much do you know about your local community? Mm. Is there things that you could get involved in and connect more with your local community. That's another thing I think that we suffer a lot from. We don't Mm. often connect with community a lot nowadays. We go outside and we do things ourselves and we go overseas. Mm. Could we, instead of taking that flight two times a year or once a year, swap that out for getting down and helping out with the local community group that you're really interested in. And I
0: think also consider buses and trains. Like I know I had a conference yep. in Canberra and I got a bus down there, got the overnight bus trip. And so it was like, it was quite a long trip, but it was like just overnight and I slept the whole way. And it, so yeah, buses, trains are always, uh, yeah, generally better than flying. So that's another option. It takes a bit longer, but
2: it is cheaper generally and uh, obviously much more environmental. Another thing you can do is quickly um is... If you're missing like the experience of being around travelers in different cultures, when you're just back at home, what you can also do is rather than going on a tour, you can be the tour guy. Um, so you can find other travelers. Um, like when I was missing Germany after I got back the first time is I was on couch surfing, um, just another plug, <laughs> not sponsored. Um, and there were some travelers who would be looking for someone to show them around Melbourne, had a free day and so I'd show them around like the city. And so you still get like to talk to someone from a different culture, different language, um, different background, and you get to show them around the city. And you might learn some stuff as well around the city at the same time. So it's kind of a mix. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. But very, very um, importantly, try to travel less by flights if you can. Um, It's contributing a lot to the climate emergency, which is hurting lots and lots of animals and people and is Probably one of the biggest challenges we will face this century and the coming centuries. Mm. So and enjoy the trip to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy <laughs> trip to Bali. Enjoy the trip to Bali. Good on you.
0: Bring on the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> a bit sooner. Yeah. yeah.
1: Ragn- Ragnarok. Ragnarok. And up next, we've got in psychedelia. Um Enjoy your Sunday afternoon.
0: Don't sing me an anthem because you don't know the words. Words are hard to remember. When they mean nothing at all to the heart still writing
2: You've been but listening to a 3CR behind. podcast produced in the studios of Independent Community Radio Station 3CR in Melbourne,
1: Australia. For more information, go to allthews3 crorgau